Dialogue with Technician. I'm Tim Willard, Assistant News Editor, and today's guest is Tim Peeler, who's going to tell us a few spooky stories. So without further ado, here is my interview. Hey, Tim, and welcome to the podcast. Could you start off by telling everyone a little bit about yourself and what you do for NC State? My name's Tim Peeler. I'm a writer and editor in the uh, University Communications, specifically with uh, editorial services. Um, and we do a lot of things that um, tell the story of NC State. We do uh, marketing work. We do uh, feature stories. Uh, we maintain the NC State news site. Uh, we have a large cast of writers in our uh, operation on, in the Butler Communications building. And I'm one of the uh, writers and editors specifically focusing on internal communications and also just writing feature stories about uh, both the history of the university and uh, new and exciting things that are going on at the university. Okay. And could you tell us a little bit about how you got started? I got started uh, when I was a student at NC State um, working for Technician, doing uh, radio broadcasts for WKNC, writing for the Agromech, and writing for Windover. I did a little bit of everything while I was here. And then I uh, spent about 20 years working in the newspaper industry before I came back to NC State in 2004 to work in athletics. I've been with University Communications since 2013. And uh, I spent a bulk of the bulk of my career writing about NC State, writing about NC State athletics, uh, and just telling stories of the university, uh, and including uh, three books that I wrote about uh, NC State basketball history. And what are the names of those books? Uh, when March Went Mad is a remembrance of the 1983 national championship. Um, NC State Basketball, 100 Years of Innovation, which I wrote with uh, my colleague Roger Winstead, who is a university photographer, and then Legends of NC State Basketball, which uh, is the most recent one and was republished uh, from 2004 and then 2015. Awesome. So for listeners, it's almost Halloween. <laughs> uh, so we were hoping that you could tell us a few ghost stories about NC State. The great thing about Halloween is it's the, uh, it's the one real holiday that students are all on campus together or usually around campus together. And so it's a, it's a very college oriented holiday. Uh, so uh, when I came to university communications five years ago, I just set out to do a few Halloween stories. And there are a lot of ghost stories as most places have um, around NC state's campus from holiday hall being haunted to the old Riddick field house to the fact that um the, the site of Carter-Finley Stadium is surrounded by several graveyards from a, a church that once stood on the grounds that now is home to uh, NC State football. And so there are lots of them. And ghost stories are one of those unique things in American culture that wherever you go, if you go to Savannah, if you go to Charleston, if you go to New York, if you go to New Orleans, everybody has ghost stories to tell about their towns. Now. Interestingly enough, those ghost stories are almost always similar <laughs> and people make a lot of money on doing ghost tours at night or um, I've done them in, in Williamsburg, um, just about everywhere. And people love to hear those little bit of ghost, something that's a little frightening, but have a, a good basis in reality. And each of the stories that I did about uh, NC State, there's reality in each of those things, Holiday Hall, the first building ever built on NC State's campus, um, was built on a um, gravesite. 
It was built by prisoners from the penitentiary of uh, uh, North Carolina, just down the street from where the um, where Central Prison is located now. Um, those um, those were the they made the bricks that Holiday Hall was built out of. Always uh, the opportunity to tell um, stories and ghost stories, particularly about those who have had misfortunes, and um, that's where a lot of this comes from. All righty, so. What story would you like to start off with about NC State? I know you mentioned Holiday Hall and the Riddick Field House. Yes. So the very first thing that ever was referred to, and I get a lot of my stories. There are a couple of good books that are written about the history of uh, NC State as a university. One was done by uh, a history professor here named David Lockmiller, who uh, was the official university historian, and he wrote a history of the university in 1939. Um, he tells a lot of stuff from the earliest days of things that that happened here, and he told one of the first ghost stories that I had ever read about that. The other, um, the other book is a narrative history of North Carolina State University by Alice Elizabeth Reagan, who also mentions some of the stories uh, that I told. And I went back through archives, through all kinds of different things, some oral histories to to find the stories that I found. But the the one that was the most intriguing um, with Holiday Hall was right before it opened in 1899, there was a fire. And uh, in the official archives of the university and the Board of Trustees minutes was um, a, a rumor that was recorded about the fire that was started in Holiday Hall. And it says, according to rumor, the fire was started by a disturbed spirit of three persons who were buried near the east side of the building. David Lockmiller wrote that in 1939 in his book, and it is in the um, official record that um, they didn't, they never knew what caused the fire. And that fire almost caused the university to delay its opening in the, in the fall of uh, 1899. Oh, wow. Uh, because they had to, it was the only building on campus. Uh, there was a lot of damage done to it. And, um, they didn't know where it started. So, of course, when you don't know the actual reason for something, rumors get started, and rumors make for great ghost stories. So what can you tell us about uh, the Riddick Fieldhouse, which was torn down in 2013? Riddick um, was um, where the first football stadium on campus was located, was um, the new playing field or the new athletic field, eventually named Riddick Field and Riddick Stadium, for the first, named after the first football coach and a former school president at NC State and dean of engineering, um, but um, for the longest time after it stopped being the football stadium, Riddick Fieldhouse just sort of sat there, and it was the home of the university police. There are always stories about um, noises in the night and things that happened around uh, Riddick Fieldhouse, and the fact that the police were located there and they could never find out where those noises came from or what they were made for great ghost stories, and you could. There are many people who will tell you they were there late at night and they heard all those noises uh, and never could figure out what it was. And, uh, you know, our uh, our university police were just as susceptible to ghost stories as anybody else. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. Um, so what's your next favorite story? Well, the Spring Hill House, which is out on Centennial Campus, uh, is one of those is a it's one of two places on campus that is uh, among the. Uh, um, National Register for Historic Places, and it has its own location out on Centennial Campus. It has a lot of cameras inside of it to make sure nothing ever happens. You know, it's it's in a very remote location on campus out by the Dix property. And uh, so 
they've been called, the university police has been called out there several times to, uh, to investigate some occurrences that are going on that have been caught on ca- camera, but have no explanation for them. Um, that is also near a site, which is a, another great story. And one of those stories that is very familiar to anybody who's ever done um, uh, a ghost tour, and that is um, babies burning in an orphanage. Uh, so there used to be an orphanage run by the uh, Catholic Diocese of uh, this area, uh, located where Centennial Campus is now. And um, there were at least three occasions where there were fires in that orphanage. And um, so there's always, in any ghost legacy, a story about an orphanage that burns down, that kills really young kids, and that you can always hear those babies crying late into the night. And that was indeed the case over at a place near the orphanage, which is now right on top or right below uh, Centennial Boulevard on Centennial Campus. Uh, It's where that orphanage used to be located. And there are always reports of these cries in the night. People have been called out there. I I know people who have gone and waited and to listen for the baby, uh, for the the crying babies from the uh, burning orphanage. At one point uh, over on the old Cardinal Gibbons um, school site, which is out there where um, Centennial Campus is now located, there was a road called Cry Baby Lane. Oh, my. And it came directly from the fact that uh, people said they heard the voices of crying babies. Now, just to be clear, there were three fires at the um, orphanages. At no time did any of the orphans at the orphanage die from the fire. There was um, one uh, priest in training who died in a, trying to put out a fire. There was another fire where um, a priest was trying to uh, get rid of a a wasp nest and he was trying to burn it and he burned down the rectory of the orphanage, but at no time did any orphans die at the uh, uh, orphanage run by the Catholic diocese of North Carolina out on what is now Centennial campus. Well, that's generally a good thing. <laughs> Absolutely. I just want to make that clear. So I also heard that Winslow hall uh, has a few sick ghostly residents. That is true. Winslow hall used to be the, um, um, before it was the alumni building, before it was anything else, it was a, an infirmary on campus. And um, if you know much about the history of World War One, which we're celebrating the 100th anniversary um, of its uh, participation, U.S. participation and the coming up on the end of World War One, uh, it was also at the time of a huge outbreak of Spanish influenza. Uh, Spanish influenza call, killed five times more people around the world than who those who died in World War I. NC State's campus had a huge outbreak of Spanish influenza in the fall of night or in the summer of 1917. And um, 13 students died. Uh, almost 550 people on campus were infected with uh, Spanish, the Spanish flu. And um, it wiped out the in, most of a football season. Um, it um, also killed two of the nurses who were treating students and people on campus who had contracted the um, Spanish flu. Now, one of those two nurses' names was Eliza Riddick. Many people have long thought that was the daughter of um, President Riddick of the university. 
There's been some dispute about that. And uh, actually, University Archives recently wrote a story that de- completely debunks the fact that Eliza Riddick was related to um, uh, President Riddick at that time. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't looked into that story. But she was one of the ones. And people who worked in that building for the longest time would always hear noises in the night where they would come back and things were rearranged or things had fallen in the night. I know people who have worked in that building who swear to me up and down that at some point you didn't want to be there after dark. Am I? Also, I've heard that the steam tunnels at NC State, which are a source of plenty of mystery and mischief, are supposedly uh, the home of some ghoulish gamers. Well, at one point uh, there was always, and this is when I was a student, Dungeons and Dragons was a huge uh, part of uh, campus at that time. It was right before video games uh, became really popular. And um, there are those um, tunnels and areas on East Campus around Bagway, Bagwell, uh, Becton, and Barry dorms that people would play Dungeons and Dragons or some kind of ghoulish games. And then there was always talk of, nobody I ever knew actually did it, that people would go and play around in the steam tunnels, which is strictly forbidden, and I do not encourage it in any way. Uh, but um, there was a, a famous case in the late 80s of students who um, were playing lots of Dungeons and Dragons, um, and they got together got together actually on the Wendy's on uh, Western Boulevard and plotted a murder. And it was turned into two books and a couple of miniseries about the students who plotted the murder of uh, one of their step parents. Um, and so that sort of lend, lended itself to uh, turning into a, uh, a good ghost story and a good ghoulish story more than is more ghoulish than it was ghostly. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so again, stories come from legends uh, of what, has happened on campus and what people have made it into. And each of those stories has a, a, a good kernel of truth to, to what's happened on campus. But a lot of it is legend, and legend um, is just that, good stories that people have developed over the years. And so I've also heard that there's some interesting facts about the football team. Halloween being in the middle of the fall, um, being during the middle of football season, has uh, uh, given NC State many opportunities to play uh, games on Halloween night. Most recently, um, two years ago, when Clemson, which was ranked number three at the time, came in. It was the first game that was ever played um, in Carter-Finley Stadium on Halloween night. There had been some games in Riddick, but it was the first time in 50-some years that uh, NC State hosted a game on Halloween night. There have been others through the years. I think there are 14 or 15 games that uh, have been uh, played on Halloween uh, NC State unfortunately lost that game to Clemson two years ago. Uh, there's not a game on Halloween this year since it's on a Tuesday. Um, but there has been a long tradition of games being played on um, on Halloween, uh, usually off campus. Sometimes those were played off campus because it came right on the heels of the state fair, and um, they didn't play games during that time uh, on campus. So... Um, but my favorite of all these kinds of games, all the football games, was NC State has played one game on Friday the 13th. It was November 13th, 1959. The game was actually played in uh, Los Angeles between NC State and uh, UCLA. Both teams had quarterbacks who ended up playing for a long, long time in the NFL. NC State had Roman Gabriel, who was a sophomore. 
uh, quarterback for the football team. And um, UCLA had Billy Kilmer, who was a longtime quarterback in the NFL, won a couple of Super Bowls with the uh, Washington Redskins. Uh, and they played a game, uh, ended up being, I believe, um, 13 to nothing. Uh, UCLA won that game, but it was uh, um, a great matchup of two guys who ended up playing for probably 30 years combined in the NFL. So that's the one game that I know of that was played on a Friday the 13th. Sounds like it was a lucky day for those two quarterbacks. <laughs> Absolutely. So it was, you know, it's it's fun to to go back and look at those historic things. And my newest thing that I have um, um, that we're going to talk about a little bit is um, NC State being home of the Wolf Pack has probably played a fair number of games under a full moon. And uh, so I went back and, and researched every game that NC State has played under a full moon since it's been called the Wolf Pack. And um, there have been a fair number of those. But this year, we the first time it has ever played two games on the day that there has been a full moon uh, hanging over Carter-Finley Stadium or any football stadium uh, that we've had here at, at NC State. The game against Louisville, which NC State won, was played under a full moon. And the upcoming game against Clemson on November the 4th uh, will also be on the night of a full moon. Uh, by my records, NC State has 13 wins, five losses, and one tie under a full moon. So we'll see if that has any effect on what happens in the game against Clemson coming up. Hopefully we'll do well in that game. I think the odds are in our favor. <laughs> <laughs> well, being a home game under a, a full moon with the Wolfpack, I uh, I have high hopes for that will, that will happen. All righty. Do you have any last questions? Uh, ghostly stories you'd like to tell? Not right now, but I am working on one for this coming Halloween. I hope to have it published here in the next few days. But uh, there is a, a saga of uh, of untoward activities at a location on campus. Uh, so check out ncstate.news.edu coming up and see if you uh, might see another ghost story about things that have happened on NC State's campus. Alrighty. And as a final fun question, what's your favorite flavor of uh, Howling Cow ice cream? Well, I will go with my, um, the same answer my sons give whenever they're asked that question. And that's <laughs> all of them because there are no such things as bad flavors of ice cream. Um, but I, I'm, I'm partial to um, the vanilla cher or cherry vanilla flavor. Uh, that's what I always get when I go to Tally. That's what at least half of my family gets whenever we go there. The other half gets some form of of chocolate and um i like chocolate but it doesn't hold a candle to the vanilla cherry thank you for coming on to the podcast it's been great having you thanks i appreciate the opportunity and again um check out some of the things that we do at um uh on the nc state news site on the nc state homepage. uh we do have a lot of talented people who who like to tell the story about nc state and all the things that we do in our community in our state around the country um it's uh, it's our goal is to make NC State um, be prominent in the news so that we tell the story of all the good work that's going on by students, faculty, and staff. This week's episode of Dialogue with Technician was written, recorded, and edited by me, Tim Willard, Assistant News Editor. Our Editor-in-Chief is Jonathan Carter. You can reach out to him at technician-editor at ncsu.edu. And as always, see you next week and happy Halloween.